Welcome to Journey Church On Demand. We pray that you are encouraged by this message. For more information, visit us online at journeychurchdfw.com. One and the same in meaning. However, at each successive revelation, the meaning and our understanding became much clearer and taught us more about God. First, we'll take a look at the Passover scriptures and events from the book of Exodus in chapter 12, maybe a little in 11 as well. They still have a lot to say to us today, and we can apply this Old Testament passage to our lives today. Secondly, we're going to look at just one evening's event written about in the Gospels, and we'll look at Luke's account for this. We call it the Lord's Supper, or sometimes the last. Supper. There are good reasons for both designations. This was Jesus' last celebration of Passover with his disciples. This is one of the truly great events in the history of the Christian church. Every time I look at it, I see something new and something glorious. And thirdly, this morning, I want us to look at what we call communion in the church today, taking special note of the Apostle Paul's explanation and instructions in 1 Corinthians. Now, these three events all point to the same glorious Lamb of God and to the price that was paid for the forgiveness for our sins, and much more than that even. So let's go first and, uh, and, and look at the original Passover event in the book of Exodus. And I think I will read maybe a couple of verses from Exodus chapter 11, and perhaps they'll be able to put the scriptures there for you. Exodus 11, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people. And let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. That's going to be important as well. Okay, let's uh, move over to uh, Exodus chapter 12. This is going to be a rather lengthy reading, so just stay with us. Verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to his to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. Of the same month, and then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. And then they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted in fire and with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and other parts. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And this, thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, 
and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day it shall be to you for a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Let me just, uh, while we're here, let's just look look at the next, uh, go down to verse 22. Because I want to emphasize this you shall take a bunch of hyssop. It's a, it's a, it was a plant that made like a brush. And dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. You shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons and your children forever. Father, I thank you for the great word of God that you've given to us. I thank you that we're gathered together in your presence to serve you and to worship you today. We ask God your blessings will continue upon this service. This was to be the beginning of a new day, a new beginning for the children of Israel. They were going to walk out of Egypt that night or early the next morning, out of bondage, out of the pain, and out of the mistreatment they had endured at the hands of Egypt for so long. And on that night, a nation would be born. In fact, God told Moses, this month, the time of your deliverance is going to be the beginning month and the first day of your year from now on. And every year from now on, you're going to celebrate this great thing that I've done for you. It was very important that every Israelite heard the instructions of Moses as to what they were to do on this Passover night, the 14th of the month of Nisan. Each household was to take that lamb that we read and slay it at twilight. They were to take the blood of that lamb and smear some of it on the lintel across the top of the door to their home and also some of it on the side post of the door. And after that, they were to roast the lamb. The whole family was to enter the house and to feast on the lamb together with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And then God told Moses to tell the people, whatever you do, stay inside the house all night. Do not go back outside the door. Because at midnight, God is sending the death angel across the land of Egypt. And he's going to slay every firstborn in the land from the king's palace to the servants' quarters and even to the animals in their stalls. However, he will be looking for one thing, and that's the blood, the blood upon the doorway of your home. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You will be safe. We see clearly the significance of that blood. Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of mankind. Oh, and by the way, Jesus died on that same Passover day at the exact same time that the priest would have been killing the Passover lambs. He was and is the Passover lamb. 
From the perspective of history, we can now see clearly the cross of Jesus and the blood pattern on the doorways of the Israelites' houses, the doorways of their homes. And this was, oh, from, from antiquity, the doorways of their homes were consecrated as altars of salvation. Actually, from ancient times, we know that people had considered the threshold of the home as an altar, had offered sacrifices there. But they did not see the whole picture until that night. Kyle and DeLitch, some commentators, tell us that God was not to be, that the blood of, of the Lamb was not to be placed on the threshold, the bottom, because it represented the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus must never be desecrated by being trodden under the foot of man. However, it's so important where the blood was applied, the door. As long as the family stayed inside the door and did not leave that place, they were safe from the death angel. He would pass over them. As long as they stayed there, they were under the blood. As we sometimes say, covered by the blood. Can't you imagine someone in the household decides, well, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to go see some of my friends. I'm going to go check on something. But the parents are begging and pleading, please don't leave this room. Please don't go outside. This, this is your salvation. This is your hope. This is your only place of safety. Stay under the blood. So far as we know, they all did. But when midnight came, if any of the firstborn were outside the door, they would have died instantly without hope. Thank God He provided a way of salvation for His people. And they escaped and lived They were delivered from Egyptian bondage. They were set free that very night. My plea to you, friends, is just this. Jesus opened up a new and living way, according to the book of Hebrews, through His death on the cross. By the blood that He shed for you there on the cross, He became the door to your salvation. Come into the door of salvation. Let the blood cover you. Jesus was the Lamb whose blood was placed on the doorposts of our lives in the shape of a cross. To stay inside the door means to be covered by the blood or to be under the blood. And we do that by accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I just plead for you, don't ever walk away from Jesus. Not for a moment. Stay inside the door. And there's coming a time when the blood will make all the difference in the world. Only those who have the blood applied, those who know Jesus, those who have accepted Him as a way of salvation, only those will escape the judgment. And only those will be ready to meet Jesus when he comes again. Just stay inside. Amen. Stay under the blood. Stay covered by the blood. The morning will break. Jesus will return. I want to point out just a couple of other things about this first Passover. Number one, they observed it together in family groups. They did it in fellowship and communion with the group, with others. This was the beginning of an annual feast that brought the people together in fellowship over and over again throughout the years. And we still do that. We come together to partake of the Lord's Supper today. We call it our Holy Communion. It is, it is a fellowship. It's a communion of believers. And number two, I want to just point out something else that you may or may not have thought of when they left Egypt that night God brought them out with good health and with material blessing Psalm 105 37 
speaks of this event. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. You remember I read in the scriptures early that they were to ask their neighbors to give them some gold and some silver. And God gave them favor, even though they're fixed to leave the land and just ruin the people. Well, then they didn't ruin it, but they took some of their, their gold and silver along with them. And uh, they had favor, and people just loved to give it to them. I'm going to ask God to give us favor, folks. But let me continue that verse. Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. And uh, Deuteronomy 8, 4. And I copy this down from the old King James, uh, James verses. You may under, understand it. The rain, their raiment, thy raiment waxed not old. I mean, it didn't get old. <laughs> Upon thee, nor did thy foot swell these 40 years. Not sure I can say that. <laughs> I don't know any group of a million people, and that's what we were told, and possibly were about a million Israelites that were leaving that night after the Passover. I don't know of a group that size that doesn't have at least a few sick people. Uh, but I can tell you that that night, after spending the night under the blood, after spending the night celebrating the Lamb, if they went to bed sick, they woke up healed and made whole and ready to travel. Not a, not a feeble one among the bunch. No swollen feet either. <laughs> thank God for Dr. Scholes, but <laughs> thank God more for Dr. Jesus. And today... Many people come to communion time, and I'm one of those trusting and believing God that during our participation in the celebration of the cross and the Lamb of God, there is healing through the blood of Jesus if we will claim it. We're going to take communion together a little later in the service, and I want you to get ready. If you need healing in your body, I want you to get ready to receive it as we partake of the elements and and uh, celebrate Jesus in all of His glory today. I believe Isaiah saw it in the future by faith. He said, yes, He was wounded for our transgression. Yes, He was bruised for our iniquities. Yes, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. But He said, also with His stripes, we are healed. We're going to move on to our second entity, the Lord's Supper. Or as we say sometimes, the Last Supper. And let's just read a few verses with this as well. Luke 22, verse 7. I thank God for all these uh, devices that have the Bible on them. And my wife and I, that's what we use almost exclusively now. And we're reading the Bible through the second time on our devices. But um, I just felt like I needed to have the book up here. Today to open the pages. It, it kind of reminds me of a, of a friend of mine from Fiji. He was a superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Fiji. And he was preaching at a church I was at in America. And uh, I'd met him and had fellowship with him and his family. And, and uh, I mean, he dressed just like we did. Sunday morning he was preaching. And I looked up there and he had a skirt on. 
and I talked to him later. He said, you know, I tried to preach in trousers, but I got convicted. I'm just, they wear skirts in Fiji. So I just felt convicted about it. I had to, <laughs> I never got convicted about wearing trousers, but he did. <laughs> Maybe I felt convicted about reading the Bible on my phone. Some of you claim to be reading the Bible, I know. (laughs) Well, Luke 22, verse 7, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. They're still celebrating the Passover, but it's going to take on a different tone tonight. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. And they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said, there's a, when you've entered the city, there's a man going to meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house, which he enters. And you you say to the master of that house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he'll show you a large furnished upper room there, make ready. So the wind found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. And I think we'll just, we'll stop right there. Now this meal was a continuation of, of the celebration of the Passover from the book of Exodus. It had continued to celebrate all these years. The method had, however, changed somewhat, although not the meaning at this time. And uh, while they thought that they were just celebrating the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, that's what the disciples thought, Jesus shared with them that evening for the first time the true meaning of Passover on this night of their last supper with the Lord. They had some unleavened bread there. Jesus broke it and gave it to them to eat. And he said something brand new. He said, this is my body. This represents my body, which is broken for you. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He was saying that this is not about some event that happened centuries ago in Egypt, but it's about an event that's going to occur right here in Jerusalem. My body given for you you're going to see what it means and from now on when you do this every time you do this you're not doing it in remembrance of your separation from Egypt you're doing it in remembrance of me Jesus then passed the cup from the fruit of the vine around for them to drink of it and he told them this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you this doesn't just represent the blood of some lamb that was slain in centuries past or even slain yesterday this blood, this, this uh, represents my own blood. This 
This cup represents my own blood that will stain the cross for you before tomorrow ends. And for the first time, the true meaning of the Lord's Supper was given to the disciples. And it comes down to us today that that meaning has always been the same. It has never, ever changed. And sometimes it just makes me want to sing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. The problem with preaching this message today is the pastor gave me this assignment several months ago. And I've got so much stuff I want to say till I'm going to have to really cut it back. Because every time I think of something, I write it down. And we don't have time to read it all. But John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. All of those books, all of those uh, chapters give us a detailed description of what happened in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples on the night of the Last Supper. Besides partaking of the meal, there were several other important things that took place. All of these things are realities of the cross and made possible and made real through the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, He knew that uh, this was the night. He knew that this was the evening. He knew that he was going to be leaving there and it would would be very long till he'd be on Calvary on that cross. And he spoke things that were important to his disciples. He spoke things that were important to you and important to me. And when we think of these things, we have to hearken back to the cross and say it's all possible because Jesus died on that cross. Well, what, what happened? Several things took place. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he said... I do this for you, you ought to do it for one another. And he said, one of you shall betray me. And he taught him to love one another. And that's only possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, in many mansions. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get there without going through the blood. Without going through the, by way of the cross. And he gave them the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, if I go away, I'll send another comfort to the Spirit of truth who will be with you forever. We don't have the Spirit of truth without the cross of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. We don't get to go there without the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. He taught them how to pray in faith in his name to get their prayers answered. And it's all because of Calvary. And in chapter 17 of John, I I wish we did have time just to read it and meditate on it. But this is Jesus' prayer. He prayed for his disciples and us. And oh, how he prayed. If you hadn't read it in a while, you need to read it this afternoon. Oh, how he prayed. And in chapter 18, he sang a hymn with his disciples. And he took them with him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And there he was arrested. There he was taken away for his trial, conviction, and crucifixion. It all happened so quickly. But of course, it's not over. And before I leave this portion, I just want to mention a couple of other statements that Jesus made that I feel are important. And in verse 15... Luke twenty two fifteen. First, let me just 
read this, uh, this one sentence again. He said, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. With fervent desire. Jesus was saying it may not mean that much to you, but it means a great deal to me to have you together with me tonight as my disciples. In fact, it means the world to me to have you with me here this evening. They were his children. They were his family. He loved them. He wanted them with him that night. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to read something into the text that isn't there, but I don't think I'm doing that. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is the same Say it with me. Yesterday and today and forever. And his heart still yearns for his children. His hand of mercy is still extended toward us. You, you can't even imagine how much he loves you. You can't even imagine how much he misses it when you don't come to him in prayer. When you don't talk to him. When you leave him out of things for a long period of time. He yearns for his children. And I believe that he really, really wants us to be here and be together in communion with him on those times that we partake Holy Communion together. I believe he has an earnest desire to have you with him, with the family of God. I can uh, remember, especially in the past, <laughs> and talk about the old people. Now I am one, so. <laughs> Some of our members were getting older and in ill health. They weren't able to attend worship services as often as they'd like to. In fact, some of them could hardly make it. But come Communion Sunday, these people would do everything in their power, everything they could. They'd make a sacrificial effort to just to be here because communion with the body of Christ meant so very, very much to them. I can still remember standing right here on this platform and looking down into their faces as we stood together at the front in the altar area as the family of God. I remember seeing big tears rolling down faces, tears of love for God, tears of appreciation for what Jesus did on the cross for them, just tears of appreciation that the Lord had allowed them to be here one more time with the body of Christ for communion. And as I get older, I'm beginning to understand just a little bit more about what they felt. And I think Jesus feels the same way toward us. He wants us to be here to celebrate communion with him and also with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not just one of those things that we do. This is the table of the Lord. And who knows when the last one will be. Wouldn't it be kind of nice if we were here celebrating Jesus together at the table of the Lord? And we've got... the Oh, by the way, you need to get that cellophane off first. <laughs> we're sitting here, standing here, whatever, at the table of the Lord. And we're talking about Jesus and what he did for us. And the trumpet sounds. And the rapture takes place and we go right out of here. And, and that brings me to the second thing I want to share from this passage. Uh, Luke 22, you find it verses 16 and 18. Jesus said, I will not eat any more. I will not any more eat thereof this meal with you until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 18 says, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I believe that what these verses are saying to us is that when life here is over and we go to meet Jesus in the heavenly kingdom of God, 
the saints of all ages are going to be there. And we're going to sit down with Jesus and this will be that time he spoke of when Jesus celebrates the Lord's Supper with all of his children one more time. Only then we will understand it much better than we do now. We will celebrate the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Perhaps that's when the saints will break forth into the glorious harmony, singing about what Jesus did for us, the song of Moses and the Lamb. A song the Bible tells us only the redeemed can sing, not even the angels can sing. It's our song. It's our dance. Amen. In 1984, I took my first trip to the Holy Land. By the way, the second trip we took not too long ago actually really meant even more than that time to me. There was just a lot there. But this, we were in the garden tomb area and uh, we're partaking communion there. And I was given the privilege of... of, um, officiating and and, uh, this communion service. And I shared uh, a little something with the people there that I've shared a few times through the years that uh, the Jews, you know, they were scattered. There were wars, and so they didn't all get to stay around Jerusalem. And they were in other countries. They were scattered all over the known world, but they still would partake of of Passover. And... uh, what they would do, many times they had the bread and all the, all the ceremony they went through, but they would take a cup, they would hold it up, and they would say, next year in Jerusalem. Every Jew wanted to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. So that, that was the thing that kind of became uh, what they would do. They would hold up the cup and say, next year in Jerusalem. So I thought about that, and so with the people that were there with us in that trip in the hole and then I said let's I, I shared that with them I said let's hold our cups and let's say next year in New Jerusalem <laughs> and so we did we held the cups and said next year in New Jerusalem a couple of my dear friends their brother and sister Mason he was a presbyter somewhere down in the South Texas district I know and Wonderful people, but getting up in years almost as old as I am now. And uh, just a couple of three months later, we heard that uh, Sister Mason went to heaven. That's the first thing I thought about. I said, you know, it will be next year for her in New Jerusalem. But Jesus is coming again, and it may be next year for all of us in New Jerusalem. And this brings us to our last entity, what we call communion. You can see each of these three entities tied together really mean the same thing after all is said and done. And I've already talked a great deal about certain aspects of communion, but let's go forward. To us in the Assemblies of God, communion is so important that we have designated it as one of the ordinates of the church. The other ordinance being water baptism. In fact, when we renew our credentials every year, if we are pastors, we must answer the question, do you regularly observe Holy Communion? They will also ask how many people accepted Christ in your church and how many water baptisms did you record? And we're going to have a good number at the end of this year. Amen. 
Well, moving on. Paul seems to be the apostle God used to give us the guidelines as to how communion should be observed in the church. This is us today. Now, the passage we read every communion Sunday is found in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. And I think it's very important that we do not do this just as a, as a ritual, but it, we, we need to ask God to make it fresh and new for us every time that we read it. And uh, it, usually we read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, beginning verse 23. Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, and the Lord, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And he, he quotes what Jesus said. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And many times we'll read several more verses there as well. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's never let these verses get old or too familiar to ponder on them, to focus our hearts on Jesus. I have a good friend, uh, a songwriter, gospel singer, Morris Chapman, some of you know. Morris is he wrote a song about that we do this in remembrance of you and uh, I was with him one day in fact we he was sitting at the piano and he was playing that song and he was singing it there with great sincerity of heart best I recall there may have even been some tears in his eyes and he told me that he was in a quandary because uh, the uh, record company that he had a contract with at that time was not was wanting him to write songs that were a little lighter, not quite so deep, because uh, they thought it would sell more uh, CDs. But he was he was in a quandary. He said uh, he said I just can't get away from the depth of what Jesus did for us on the cross, from the blood that was shed, from the promises that He made, and from the sacrifice that He made. I can't get away. From that. Now, Morris has to be in his 80s now, and I haven't heard from or seen him in a long while, and I could, but I can tell you that one day we will celebrate Jesus when we meet around the table with the Lord one more time in the kingdom of God. And there'll be many people you know you haven't seen for a long, long time that'll be there around the throne of God. The second passage that uh, I sometimes read here is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I, uh, in, in fact, we looked at in verse 16. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for uh, having so many scriptures today because we're people of the book, aren't we? Amen. Amen. It says here, uh, 1016, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. And that speaks, that passage speaks so much of, uh, of taking the, taking of, of uh, oneness, of togetherness, of taking communion as a body of believers, bound together 
by just one thing, the body and the blood of Jesus, for that's what makes us one. And that loaf in a, in a unique way not only represents the body of Christ, it represents us as the body of Christ. We are all part of that same bread. Now, I probably want to statement out what I'm going to say now, and I am coming a little closer to conclusion. I've said this so many times, take communion. When, when we break the bread here, we're not alone. We're part of a huge body of believers. Anywhere and everywhere believers assembled together to celebrate Jesus. Anywhere around the world, they're part of us. That's a lot of people, myriads of blood-bought saints. I think about the prison chapels across the land where felons and offenders are gathered together in faith, having accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the chaplain leads them in the observance of communion as they take the cup. They're part of us. I think about the foxholes and the bunkers and the tents in Afghanistan or wherever our wonderful military personnel are to be found. Many of them believers being served communion wherever they are. They're part of us. I think of believers sometimes hidden for fear, fear of arrest or even death in Russia, in China, especially some of the Muslim nations. I see them standing with the cup and the bread in hand, doing the same thing that we're doing, enjoying the presence of Jesus wherever they are. They're part of us. I think of the European nations like England and France and Spain and Portugal and, and on and on, Germany and, and the Netherlands, and you just can keep going. There are believers there doing the same thing we do, celebrating Jesus. They're part of us. There's Africa. There's Australia. There's Mexico. The list goes on. Costa Rica, wherever believers are gathered. Most of them on the first Sunday of the month, usually. We're doing it a little different today. Mostly on the first Sunday of the month. They're part of us. It's not just us. It's the body of Christ. The whole body of Christ, wherever they are. No, sir. And I think about our sister churches. All across the Metroplex and all across the world. I appreciate every one of the Assemblies of God. And I pray for every church that preaches Jesus. They're the Baptists and the Methodists and the Pentecostals, the Independents, the Episcopalians, and yes, even the Catholics who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're partaking of the Lord's Supper in belief of what He did on the cross, in belief of Him as the Son of God, because the blood that He shed, and they're part of us. We're all part of the same group. The great, great. We're separated by distance we're separated even by time that you know that the, um, it, it's an hour earlier a little further as you go you know but we're still part of the great body of jesus christ only one day we'll all be together can you imagine you know you think about the table of the lord you, you think about 12 disciples sitting with jesus there this table the lord's gonna be huge I mean, it's going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest thing you've ever seen. And everybody, everybody, everybody in that blood-bought group is going to celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the applause? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Would you like to get warmed up a little bit? Let's give him some applause right now. Thank you for listening to Journey Church On Demand. We would love for you to visit us in person for one of our Sunday morning worship services. If you have questions, need prayer, or would like to connect with us, feel free to visit us at journeychurchdfw.com.